0: Manchester United who put on clean white shirts during the half time
1: podcast and welcome to episode seven i'm gav you may know me as the kit geek
2: i'm dennis from museum of jerseys
1: and
0: i'm les of whole city kits after a successful loan spell namely their euro 2020 review special we've signed gav to a permanent deal as well to supplement the interview episodes with some more general kit conversation welcome to the team gav
1: thanks dennis and thanks les i'm really excited to join you both two legends of the kit community
0: Steady on Gav. Uh, Listeners will likely know that you're the diabolical genius behind the Kit Geek blog and its admirable kit grids tracking what teams are wearing. What else can you tell them about yourself?
1: Um, So I've been a lover of all things kit for as long as I can remember. One of my earliest footballing memories has just been mesmerised by the Tottenham Hummel kits of the mid-80s. I think Chris Waddle, Glenn Hoddle. This just opened up a new world of football to me so... As a nine, 10, 11 year old, I would just flick through shoot match magazines, looking at the kits, just learning about the kits, their history and finding out about them. And then finding out that actually kit launches to me were as exciting as any other part of football. Kind of fast forward 20 odd years uh, and I discovered that other people also had the same obsession. Suddenly discovering some of the internet sites, the books, so John Devlin's True Colour books were ones that, you know, when I first discovered them were just amazing got into podcasts so listening to the football attic was the first podcast i heard talk about kits as well so more content and like okay there's more kit knowledge out there to be learned and then discovering websites like historical football kits so i could just get lost hours at a time just learning the history and learning all about football kits kind of joined twitter um and then discovered more people and that's where i first found the museum of jerseys first interacted with dennis probably 8 9 years ago just talking about kits and then in 2016 i was chatting to a friend of mine just randomly we would always talk about football and i would talk to him about kits more than anything and he said to me just you need to do something with this this is you know You've got too much knowledge and too much kind of information in your head just to just share with me, you know, do something with it. So I set up Kit Geek, the Twitter account then, and it's just grown from there. And now, lucky enough, I'm here sitting with you two guys talking on one of my favorite kit podcasts that are out there.
2: And we're delighted to have you. And you're a Millwall fan, seeing as we're talking with Tempest. I have a theory that Puma's much maligned third kit template this season with the team names across the chest has to take its inspiration from Millwall circa 1990 when was it Lewisham Council stopped sponsoring them and to avoid having a blank space in the chest, they just put Millwall.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they should
2: have actually put no one likes us, we don't care, shouldn't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. It would have been good. And it was um, a distinctive thing at the time. I always wondered the uh, history behind that. I think I remember reading somewhere it was to do with them floating themselves on the stock exchange. I think the second team behind Man United. So it was a bit of self-promotion. Not sure it worked, considering I think the shares reach much more above kind of 5 to 10p. So uh, I think that's where it came from. But yeah, I've been a Millwall fan since 1988. When they first got promoted to the uh, Division 1, what is now the Premier League. So I was a glory hunter looking for the uh, glory of the top flight. I go to games as much as I can with my son, um, but they're a great club to follow for kits as well for me. They've changed home colours from royal blue to white, and then since 2010, they've actually returned to their traditional Dundee, navy blue home colours. But there's so much flexibility with the Mill kits as well. So you'll see solid colours, designs, you'll see stripes. My favourite look is when they go with the white sleeves, so just think Arsenal in navy, Dundee blue. But also with the away kits, there's a real diverse color palette to their change kits. So you see all kinds of things happening with meal kits. So for my Kit Geek persona, they just are the gift that keeps on giving.
0: I was a bit devastated to find out that Husky chocolate isn't a chocolate bar.
1: No, it's uh, the Red Bull equivalent of milk.
2: (laughs) So talking with templates, we're going to bring some much needed nuance to the topic of template kits staple designs available to more than one team and it's worth mentioning at this point that our good friend Chris Oakley of the KitPlist website and podcast he is doing a series on one hundred greatest football shirt templates, I think it's called. So that's going to be Essential Reading. The first of those was out on February first and it'll be a weekly feature on the site.
0: Buy me a weekly feature and a hundred shirts. That's gonna keep readers content till at least late 2023 but you're right Dennis that you know discussion about templates is seldom nuanced or balanced it often starts and ends with the premise that templates are bad and yet whenever people start ranking kits the upper echelons of these rankings are always templates you know people will mention Ina Fransman's two Adidas designs in 88 for West Germany and Netherlands or they'll talk about Denmark's 86 kits by Hummel they're usually there so I think that cliche of templates are bad well that's not going to do on this podcast
1: to quote the bad Gav to template or not to template to template for me templates are truly an extension of a manufacturer's brand if you have a good template or even a bad template you can tell who's made it and who's designed it you can even regard it as important as a logo for the kit maker
2: And plan for this episode is that each of us is going to nominate two template kits for discussion. We're not ranking them or we're not coming down definitively on one side being amazing and one side being terrible. We're parsing the merits of a design we like, so we'll have a template of worship to note one we like and a template of doom for one we don't, with apologies to the Indiana Jones film franchise.
0: So let's be positive to begin with, Gav. What would
1: you consider your template of worship? Okay. I'm gonna go for my worship template as the 2016 Nike Vapor template. Oh, Dennis, I think we might have made an error.
0: Sorry, Gav, go on.
1: Okay, bear with me. Um so very much a divisive template. I can completely see why people reacted the way they did to it, but let's go back to when that first came out. Um 2016. The major uh, way we saw this template is through international kits. So I'm going to come onto club kits shortly, but in the international front, the tournament before 2016, the 2014 World Cup, the kits there were very plain. I think there was a rule, I'm not 100% sure, but the one colour rule. So you had England all in white, uh, Germany all in white with their um, chevron top. I think Argentina had white shorts and socks. Spain all in red it was very plain very simple so when these kits came out they took a risk they changed design they were different and that's what I like about kit design when something's done something's a risk is taken and when a company like Nike in this case looked at it and they were these one of the first templates as well that went kind of beyond um, the one team so every team had that uniform look it was the shirt with the alternate sleeves shorts but the the distinctive feature was the socks as well the um, the different color socks now that brought socks into the kit um which i don't think has ever been uh, a key element of the kit that we've never really seen before that moment it was always just part of the look but this gave it a distinctive feel to the kit and i think the contrasting sleeves was something that really worked you know i was very uninspired by the night kits of england and when you saw that kit with the blue sleeves that was something different that's something we've never seen before and that was the kind of thing that really sparks my interest as a, as a kit lover so that's you know one of uh, the many reasons why i think this is a great template also uh, if i just move very quickly into the club side of things there are very few kits i could would consider a perfect kit The Barcelona 2016-17 home kit is a perfect kit for me. It was based on the 92 shirt from Maya, I think. Mayer. Mayer, that's it. With the uh, very fine pinstripes, but it was a vapour template. It was quite distinctively the vapour template. And that kit by far is, for me, the best kit that Nike have produced for, for Barcelona, but is, for me, a perfect kit.
0: I think the Vapor template felt to me like Nike had taken the approach they took to NFL uniforms when they replaced Reebok as their league-wide supplier, and they applied that thinking to, to football kits. There was a similar, what they called, like a superhero aesthetic to the design. And they essentially said, yes, it's a template, but form follows function. So if you want to wear the best garments a footballer can wear, then it has to look this way. And I'll admit I was a sceptic when they said that, but the first time I got a Vapor shirt in my hands, it did genuinely feel like a garment that had been engineered for athletic use. So I wasn't originally impressed by the aesthetics, but I was prepared to go with it because it felt, okay, they are doing something different from a performance level. But then sort of Nike quickly buried the approach of well we've elasticated the sleeves so players don't need to wear undershirts and probably because there's money to be made wearing undershirts so they were potentially doing the sales out of some money there and they quickly dropped that because the, the vapor templates we've seen recently have all had set in sleeves but at the time they were making out that was a, a fairly big deal. They also made a point about the big selling point being the shirt fabric, they didn't need separate panels to have more ventilation. You could have twice the ventilation in some areas and less ventilation in others, but have it all part of the same fabric. You didn't need that separate panel. So you didn't need to put those rings on laser-cut holes that stopped them ripping. And the good thing I would say about that is it stopped this race for ever lighter and what typically happened was more see through kits so i think that was that was a positive step because they said we don't need we don't need this obsession with every year it's 2.6% lighter than it was last year because if that carried on footballers are going to be wearing body paint but with the introduction of the vapor template they essentially just stopped saying that it wasn't about lightness anymore they were saying we can have it a certain structure but still get the performance out of it
2: I don't dislike the template. I actually think it's very nice as a template. And it's actually worth noting that Nike kind of gave a few crumbs in the 2015-16 season, like with the the stripe down the side, like that was present on some of those kits. So they were kind of teasing it as it were. And I think that's a lovely design feature if for, let's say, putting a third color on a shirt and a kit that has Contrasting uh, shirts and shorts But I just wasn't too gone on The contrasting socks being A feature for everyone And I did a fantasy kit Friday A couple of years after that Of France, Netherlands, England, Portugal In vapour kits That had the traditional colourway And being biased I felt they looked better (laughs) And like I think the reason given was You know the different coloured socks Would aid peripheral vision But that was something Herbert Chapman did with Arsenal the Hoop Socks in the 1930s. Like, and if if it was so essential in 2016-17, they'd be there every season. You know, I think it was Nike looking to own the aesthetic across all their kits rather than letting the club identity be the most prominent. And I think it's it's interesting that Gav says the Barcelona one is a perfect kit because Barcelona didn't have yellow socks that season or whatever they had their normal traditional colorway in the vapor template and i think those two elements added together a big factor in in what made it so good
0: and the barcelona one was one of the few kits to have like a woven in detail wasn't it you know one of the yeah
2: of the things
0: you noticed about a lot of the, the the early kits was the shirts were solid color and i think some of that had to do with because they'd constructed this new fabric where they could tailor ha- how much ventilation they had, I don't think they'd worked how to print on it yet. You know, we've seen that in subsequent yeah, seasons yeah. where they've been able to print on it. And I wonder if the inability to print on the shirts is why they thought, let's do something with the socks to make it visually interesting. But sometimes yeah. it worked and sometimes it, it didn't. I thought the absolute Nadia was inter with yeah. yellow socks, you know. It, Absolutely, it, it, it yeah. Vaguely offensive
2: Yeah and they were even Too embarrassed to wear the yellow socks In their home derby against Milan They wore black socks in that game So I think that kind of says it all So I'm up next am I?
0: Go for it Dennis
2: Like it's it's not I'm not, I'm not trying to disown my choice It it, it probably isn't my favourite Template ever You know if we're saying my favourite template ever Is probably the, the West Germany slash Cork City Slash Boca Juniors away one But you know i think there enough has been said about that one what a template i like is described probably as the adidas team guys from 2006 but team guys was actually the family of designs thanks to jack hendo henderson on twitter i know that there was two distinct designs in the team guys family there was the aquila which would say argentina and spain had and the chelsea black third kit and there was united which is the one i'm focusing on which was the more common template seen in the 2006 World Cup and into the 06-07 season. Germany had it, France had it, the Argentina away, Chelsea and Liverpool had it, which mightn't have been immediately apparent, which I'll go into, Bayern away had it. And it's the fact that there was a kind of overarching look to it that you could say, yeah, that's, that's that design. But, there was a lovely modularity to it oh it was almost the case that each version was slightly different that there were and liverpool's home and Bayern's away had a collar whereas most of them didn't have a collar they just had a, a high neck and then there were the most kits kind of had three three different um flashes would we'll say down the side and like germany had theirs in a nice black red and gold replicating the flag Bayern only had one of those flashes in red. Liverpool and Chelsea had them, but non-contrasting. And there was the, the white piping kind of set, you know, kind of gave the outline of, of where those shapes were. Real Madrid's black away had a, a kind of a unique style of, of flash that, that no one else had. And the Germany away and the Liverpool third had one contrasting sleeve and colouring down the side and all these things just kind of serve to give the impression of a bespoke approach under the umbrella of a template if that makes sense
1: it really feels like this was adidas's answer to uh, nike's total 90 uh, yeah kit.
2: that's a great point yeah
1: it's you know they saw the success of that i think and and took it to another level some of the kits that flashes down into the shorts as well i think germany as yeah. well that, that was a nice tie-in i thought
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, each each of the two designs had its own cut of shorts, which was an interesting approach, but it did kind of add to the the integrated look. Les, what's your worship?
0: My template of worship. I'm I'm going for a number of template largely used between 1990 and 1992, and that's the Sanetien template. Northern Ireland had this with both. Their home and away kits, and yeah, you know, it's arguably the most notable use of this design, or or non-use in a way, because the the navy and white away never got worn in a game. They they only ever uh, wore, wore the home version. I think the shirt reminds me of being 14 and yeah. playing Sabutio a fair bit, and and back then I didn't have the means to buy all the replica shirts that I saw advertised in Shoot and Match. So the way I appreciated kits was by buying the Sabutio team. And I remember having the Northern Ireland home and thinking, oh, that looks great. But I thought the kit captured the kit zeitgeist of the era about, you know, that bold, all over, dye-sublimated prints, geometric patterns. And I think what I really loved about the design was, which I think if you was to give it a really mundane description, it was... Stacked cubes made out of diamonds
2: <laughs> solid
0: triangles and some triangles made of lines, but depending on the colorway, what you saw looked very different so take northern Ireland's home which was which was green and white to me at least the first thing you saw was like a series of of like sharp blades like a I don't know like a Klingon windmill um, <laughs> but when you saw the away version, which was navy and white with a, with a touch of green. You saw the formation of cubes a little bit more readily. And I just I just like the fact that with diff, you know, slight change of colour, where you saw a different thing first, I thought that was fascinating. A bit like those Magic Eye pictures, where if you mm-hmm. stared at it long enough, you might see a, a Romulan warbird. But it's interesting, because I always thought this is like a major Umbra template. And... You know a couple of years ago gremio had the pattern on their third shirt which you know almost implies that globally this is thought of a of a major umbra template but it's its use really wasn't very widespread yeah and northern ireland is about as glorious and high profile as it got really and really wasn't used that much so northern ireland only wore it 11 times and um, the first time was against yugoslavia september 1990. And the last time was uh, in Germany in June 1992. And if you go beyond Northern Ireland, you've got Malta and Latvia. And unbeknown to me until recently, until I asked people on Twitter, there's Singapore and Puerto Rico. And it's as if Mm -hmm. Umbro have somehow decided to only give this template to disputed or quasi-colonial territories. It's... Mm -hmm. It's quite bizarre the way, the way it's worked like that. But one thing I found interesting about Malta using it is they never used it as a main kit. So they largely stuck with an older Umbra template, which they started using in about 89. So the home was a solid red kit, and it would have like a jacquard weave of repeating diamonds. And then it had a simple overlapping collar. And the away kit was essentially the direct opposite, so white with the with the red overlapping collar. But they largely stuck with that. So the first time Malta used this, as far as I can tell, was against Iceland in May nineteen ninety-one. And they didn't use it again until October ninety-two when they played Estonia. Because that they that was the only two uses of the Senate N template until they switched to Lotto in ninety two, which you know just, I just found that odd that you know they I knew that they that they had it, but I didn't realise they used it so sparsely and then you've got Latvia who had like a maroon and white version so i was thinking i wonder if this was the first kit they wore since they became you know a nation again um cuz i mean you know latvia had a team in the 1940s until they got annexed by russia but actually not the the, the first kits they wore was the it was a maroon shirt very similar to the aston villa template from 90 to 92 it just had a little bit more white blocking um, on the arms. I noted that Malta had played Latvia and I thought, oh, this might be a Sanatien template derby, but <laughs> it, it turns out it wasn't. Malta went with the solid red shirts I'd mentioned earlier, and Latvia sadly wore the Aston Villa rest template there. Sometimes Latvia, when they did wear the Sanatien shirts, sometimes they had a crest, sometimes they didn't, and it seems that they wore it most against Irish opposition because Twice they wore that against Republic of Ireland and twice against Northern Ireland, and typically they tended to wear it away from home. Out um, the seven times they used it, they only wore it twice at home. Again, against the two Irish sides.
2: Yeah, I remember. I remember them wearing it at Lansdowne Road in '92. Uh, Ireland won five-nil. John Aldridge got a hat-trick, and of course, like unluckily, it was in that campaign that Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland were in the same group. And when Northern Ireland came to Dublin, they had pyjama-style navy awake in the 92-93 Templar rather than the Saint-Étienne, which would have been nice to see. But, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to choose. The Latvia one did kind of look pink almost from a distance mm-hmm. with the maroon and white um, merging together. Uh, you mentioned Sabutio, and I really pity the poor bastard who had to try to paint that pattern for <laughs> the, the little men. It's, it's a very striking design, mm-hmm. um, and it, it is a pity we didn't see more of it. You know, because you can see there's a lot of thought gone into coming up with it. Um, and it, it probably did deserve a, a bigger stage.
1: It's definitely underused, a, a missed opportunity for Umbro. I was just looking looking at the ninety-two, ninety-three season to so the first Premier League season, eleven of the twenty-two clubs were supplied by Umbro. And I just remember yeah. a lot of those kits are the same. So this feels like a future fancy Kit Friday, Dennis, for you. Yeah, like yeah, every yeah. team having an away version of that template it just seems weird that we saw lots of kits that were very similar particularly in design you know I can think of like Chelsea and Sheffield Wednesday had identical away in third kits where maybe using one of these gives that alternative look and gives a different um, template on show as well Mm. absolutely
2: yeah yeah
0: the Singapore example is odd in the early 90s Although Singapore were a national side, they were more invested in having a club side in the Malaysian League. So there's a couple of versions of this template with different Singapore crests on. There's the international one, and then there's the club side. And of course, it's got a sponsor on it. They were sponsored by Borneo Motors. And it appears they had three different versions of this one. So they had a there was a red and white home, a navy and white away, and then they had a perfectly blue and white. And I don't know whether that was worn as a a third kit, or you know, in the event of a clash, the Puerto Rico one is odd too because that appears to be still in use in 1998. So there's a photograph of Puerto Rico against Haiti, and you know Puerto Rico had used quite a few Umbro templates that used the the, the template that Scotland wore as an away kit in Italia '90. They had a yeah. West well, Beacon version of, of that into the middle 90s. But it was fascinating to see this template still on the go in 98. In terms of club sides, only a couple. Salgiris so Vilnius of Lithuania, they played PSV in a Champions League first round game and got beat 8-0 on aggregate. They essentially had the, the Northern Ireland kit, but no crest on it, and and it had like a, a patch sponsor. I read somewhere that Cordoba, the lower league Spanish club, might have used the green and white design, but I've not been able to find any proof. I've seen an illustration, but nothing, nothing concrete. And when I asked on Twitter, if anybody knew of any other examples of this one, because it just, just how, how can this, how can this kit have had such so few uses, and yet have such clout and such recognisability. And they said, "Yeah, there's a team in Saint Lucia called Vier Fort South. I might have mispronounced that, and they appeared to use a maroon and white version, a little bit like Latvia. But that's it.
2: Yeah, we need to we need to get to the bottom of this.
0: Right then. So we've been positive. Should we try a little bit of negativity? Ah, oh, some- finally. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some Indiana Jones and the template kits of Doom. So Gav, what's your template of Doom, one that you don't like so much?
1: Okay, now I really found this quite difficult. I normally try to see the positive in all of the football kits, including the Puma third ones. Um, I, you know, But I went with my initial feeling and my initial gut reaction, which is an Umbro template from 2007, 2008, 2009. The best known example will probably be the England home shirt of that time. So, the kit that has all the detail around the shoulder, the asymmetric design, the flashes of colour. Um, there's also um, elements of almost an animal print pattern down uh, under the arms, down the sides. There will be uh, flashes under the collar, and very kind of different in its approach. But the the main the main reason I didn't like it was it just seemed there was too much going on in one very small part of the shirt. If it was broken up a little bit more, I think I would have found it a little bit easier, but just all around the top. And I also think um this was one of the shirts where Umbro moved their logo up higher so it would show on cameras for interview, player interviews, end of games. So you had that higher logo with all of that pattern as well. There just there was just too much going on, too much taken for the eye. It was a template. Again, Umbro were had a lot of teams, in, particularly in the English leagues around that time. So every team they had that I can find had a white version of this shirt as well. Um, so you have Birmingham, Everton, Sunderland, West Ham, Wigan, Hull, West Brom, Nottingham Forest, Lincoln, Hearts, all had a white shirt version of it with a different little colour accent here and there. So I think that was another thing that drew me to Put this in in the doom category because it was very much there, kind of everywhere you saw. this very similar looking kit with not a lot of difference, other than a splash of colour here and there. That being said, I do like the Blackburn versions, the half and half shirts. So particularly the away, which was red and black halves, it was a little bit less colour detail in in some of the flashes, and that for me worked brilliantly, worked really well. But yeah. That's where I'm at with that one, guys.
0: You see, I feel there was just enough modularity in this one to to perhaps get away with it. I mean, I until we'd mooted the idea of this discussion, it had never occurred to me that Hull City's home shirt and the away shirt was essentially the same template. And these are two massively meaningful shirts to Hull City fans because the home, we wore it in our first ever Wembley visit, game that we won to get promoted to the Premier League for the first time. Many people consider the white away shirts to be one of the finest Hull City away kits ever. So I think about these shirts a lot because that's the way I'm inclined, but it just never really occurred to me that it's essentially the same template with a little bit of modularity. So the away didn't have the, the asymmetric line across the shoulders. In Instead, it had one black, one amber line across which came under the V. So I found that fascinating because what that implies to me is that you're absolutely right, Gavin, this shirt was everywhere. So many teams had it as an away kit, but at the time, I don't think it felt oversaturated. And I guess if most teams are using it as an away kit, it's very seldom going to get seen the two two of the templates uh, against each other. So I totally acknowledge that they probably were saturated. It just never felt like that at the time for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably my um, dislike of the kit. It's probably born from the England kit. You know, we, we saw an increase of red from 2001. Uh, and there was the cross, then the next one. There was the bigger St George's cross on, I think, a later one. And then this one just seemed to be, we're just making more red for the sake of it. And we're just chucking more design for the sake of it, rather than... You know, it's trying to build on and do something better. And rather, is this the right thing? We have mentioned earlier about, you know, what Nike did with the Total 90 and Adidas did with the the team guys. I think this was probably Umbro's answer to that, but didn't have the same impact of design for me than those two kits.
2: Yeah, I agree with Les in that that whole change kit is lovely. Obviously, the colours play a part in that. And Rangers had a couple of nice ones, and Birmingham as well. Like, I definitely see where Gav is coming from. And definitely something that would kind of push me towards this light. it is is the fact Ireland had a horrific third kit, a slate grey third kit worn once against Wales in this design. And they didn't even bother to come up with socks, but they wore the white away socks with dark grey shirts and shorts against the Red of Wales. Maybe it was the colour blindness thing, but they had a white change kit that they could have worn, so it was it was just completely pointless kit and it was part of this family and it just it stank of nothingness. I wonder <laughs> uh, is the is the feeling towards it exacerbated a little bit, maybe because it came immediately before the tailored the by umbro range and there was, you know, sleek simplicity and just minimalism and a kind of a a reset button and you had this excess looks looks kind of worse by comparison maybe yeah
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point isn't it yeah because i mean the the other thing about the tailored by umbra run is it it looked very structured it had a definite shape to it whereas some of the umbra templates that preceded it looked a little bit thin a little unstructured in comparison
1: yeah i think you know i think it's spot on i think you know this was the end of chucking everything onto the shirt as possible for that period. I think, you know, the positive is this. This this brought about, I think, a more tailored is the right word, tailored approach to kit design rather than let's just make it flashy and wild and that it stands out. I think it was the last of its generation, probably from early 90s to this moment. I mean, that idea
0: of just throwing things on it, you know, even stuff that you couldn't see from afar so most of these shirts in this range had embossed morse code um down the down the sleeves and it said football shirt by umbra in morse code so you, you're not, not going to see that but you know it was just that why don't we do this as well and yeah he was talking about the the, the vague animal print design because i remember a local radio journalist saying oh it's got a tiger print underneath and at the time i remember thinking no that's not a tiger print that's abstracted diamonds because the Birmingham yeah. had the exact same pattern. Okay, Dennis, it's your turn to visit the template of Doom.
2: So it's it's Puma's twenty fourteen fifteen range. I think like there was two kind of similar designs, but they're close enough to almost be considered the same one. So there was speed and glory. So basically Arsenal's home, home and away. And the home was the the home at Kruneck was the Speed, and then the away with the V-neck, the really, really kind of wide V-neck that almost made the players look as if they're wearing a woman's jumper size too small. That was the glory. And then there was a collared version. I think it was the ACTV. I'm not sure why that had a, a different name from Speed and Power. But uh, Arsen's third came under that umbrella with the with the collar. And so we're thinking Italy's kit at the 2014 World Cup was a bit like it. Newcastle had a green and and navy half, third, and you had Rangers as well, also these. And funnily enough, I actually have one for illustration because I got married that season and my groomsmen got me the Arsenal home shirt with my surname and my wife's surname on the back and the date we got married. And just to show you the and home. It's basically it's these stupid lines down the side that really make me dislike it because they're just floating in midair. They're doing, they're obviously doing something from a performance point of view for the listeners. I'm making inverted commas here because I'm skeptical. <laughs> Maybe the player version actually had, you know, real kind of um athletic powers, but so they're there and it's like the complete opposite to what I was saying. We're liking it on the Nike one because that's a structured light. It goes all the way from the hem of the shorts up to the the end of the sleeve, and it's continuous, whereas these are just thrown on, and they're just hanging there. And then if you look at the top of the shoulders in the Arsenal one, kind of just these red blobs, you know, at the, at the top, the break in the white sleeve probably looks worse on the, the contrast sleeve on, on the Arsenal shirt. But again, kind of like, like what Gab was saying with the number one, there's... There are too many things going on. There were these little lozenges at the bottom of the sleeves, which can look nice if the shirt doesn't have any other real kind of design elements. But there, there were just one thing too much. And, you know, a comparison I made before, you know, about a shirt that had too much going on. It's like Homer Simpson's car, basically. You know, he designed for (laughs) his stepbrother. And like, it's like, it's like, um or a a kind of a song, a question and answer song with my son. And it's like, do you like carrots? Yes. Do you like chocolate? Yes. Do you like chocolate carrots? No. You know, just because you like things or because they look nice, they don't all work together. And I think this Puma design is an example of that.
0: Well, the player versions had, it's almost like they were trying to replicate what Adidas did on the outside of the tech fit shirts, where it had the thin vinyl brass straps on the outside. But they put something on the inside and it was meant to sort of like hold it next to the body. But it, you could see them through the garment and it just looked like somebody had glued used elastoplasts <laughs> in random places all throughout the shirt. They also didn't look comfortable at all. They yeah. had like, like like raised rubber chevrons and I just can't imagine as you're, as you're moving around, as that moves with your, your twisting and turning
1: body, that that was going to
0: be particularly comfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it just for me just screams 2014 World Cup again. Yeah, so those kits, the one color kits, you know, it's Italy straight away springs to mind. Yes, all blue. Switzerland,
2: Czech Republic, yeah.
1: Um, Uruguay, I think, had something similar, although theirs wasn't the one color kit, but I can remember
2: because a yeah.
1: Uruguay and Italy all in the same group with England, and they, all yeah, were.
2: yeah, when Suarez bit Chiellini,
0: mm, yeah. Perhaps the only redeeming feature was the small polo collar that was on the Italy shirt. And I think Dortmund had it on their European version of the yeah, shirt. Yeah, it was. It was yellow. a a smear collar. Yeah, this was a period where you perhaps feared collars had gone forever, you know, in this this drive to make everything lighter, that we weren't going to see them again. But all things being cyclical, they're yeah. everywhere again now. I'm in 2014. It felt like, oh, colors aren't extinct just yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And, Les, what are you putting into Room 101?
0: Well, here's a funny one. I thought I'd t- tell you about Sanity and not being used much. This is another template that wasn't used much, certainly not oversaturated, just, just one I'm just simply not fond of on an aesthetic level. It's the, the Umbra Glory template, and the most notable example is the England... 1998 world cup home. i think the reason i thought about this recently is it, it i've seen a lot of praise for it recently and it got me thinking how you see like a shift in what people consider great and that shift moves you know, every four years you have like a younger generation talking about their england shirt i guess and there's, i think there's been a lot of discussion and, and sometimes people can't divorce happy memories associated with the shirt with a realistic critique of a shirt itself and and I think this is one which which falls into that I think people remember Michael Owen's goal I think they remember David Beckham and they think yeah that shirt was great but I actually thought it was horrific and
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know I felt Umbro could do little wrong in the early to mid-90s but tailed off towards the end of the decade and this for me is a really fine example of that because in the domestic game we'd had six years of players getting their own personalised shirts you know, with squad numbers and player names. Yet somehow the trend for oversized shirts continued. You know, (laughs) players should have been able to at that point have said, no, I want a medium. But yet we still gave Michael Owen a shirt with an X in the size regardless. (laughs) And then it was compounded (laughs) by the fact that there was no athletic cut to the shirt. It was just a really baggy, square cut shirt. And it's the kind of thing that my mum would have said, oh, look like a bag of rags. Certainly, when you consider how shirts went just a couple of years later, I mean, we're only two years away from Kappa's shirts for Italy, and another one, yeah, super tight. But you, you could see that was the direction of travel. Yeah, you watch the, the video of Michael Owen scoring against Argentina, and he looks like he's wearing a training resistance parachute. Suppliers now will say raglan sleeves fit better, it's a more athletic cut. Well, this shirt had raglan sleeves, but it's not a better fit when the shirt's three sizes too big for the player. But also it just had like superfluous panels on the arms. There was no need for them. And and even though I quite like turnover collars and plackets, I felt that the turnover collar, it was quite harshly cut and it didn't have any structure. So it, it sort of flapped around and I don't know. just I just think people get a little bit nostalgic because... Yeah, you know, France ninety eight was a fun tournament, and if you're an England fan, there's certain touch points you're going to remember. But I just thought the kit itself was dreadful. And you look at the other Umbro England kits of of the nineteen nineties, the shirts worn at Italia ninety and Euro ninety two, and you got the Euro ninety six shirts, and even the ones after that, where uh, the ones that they wore at Euro two thousand with the although it had quite a lot of detail on it from from a distance, it looked quite simple and a crew neck. And I just think this in between them just looks quite incongruous and it's not even on a par with the 94 shirts which you know if you're of an English persuasion you you think of Ronald Koeman scoring after after not getting red carded and I just think it it really looks poor compared to all of those others but yeah not a template that was worn much there was only really Shelbourne in Ireland that wore it exactly how England wore it because it was another umbro kit where there was a lot of modularity. So Manchester United, Ajax, Scotland had the same polo collar and placket detail, but had a you know a different a different weaving within the shirt. Some they used like the underarm panels. I think they were used on a Nottingham Forest away shirt, but they had an entirely different collar. This isn't about oh you saw this template too much because it didn't get worn much at all. It's essentially England and Shelbourne, and then a couple of other kits shared some of the details but I just thought this one was aesthetically wretched and it we just uh, appear to be at a point where there's becoming like an age based revision of this shirt mm-hmm. and I feel the need to fight against it
1: i I think um the popularity of that shirt now is also tied to the current England shirt which is loosely based on it and that is quite a good shirt so I think there's then the uh the nostalgic pull to this Shirt, but I think this is also Umbro designers' revenge for Euro 96. The Euro 96 home shirt had the turquoise blue on it, and we obviously had the indigo gray away kit. The controversy around no red on any England kits, I think the designers like, right, we'll chuck some red panels on the home kit and you can have that as instead. So, yeah, I, I get it. One of my favorite goalkeeper kits from around this time was the orange shirt. I think one with black shorts, David Seaman wore I think most famously um against Italy when England qualified. That was a great shirt, which is again not the same template but loosely based on, you know, the the panel structure. So uh I completely get what you're saying, completely understand.
0: I think perhaps the biggest surprise is that Celta Vigo, who absolutely loved using straight up England templates in the nineties, even they only had a version of it. It wasn't like a straight colourway swap. It was it was this modular approach and and not quite similar. So it's almost, but just at a time when you know you looked at Celta Vigo and it was just a sky blue England kit, really, wasn't it?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I I
2: kind of liked this England shirt when it came out, but it ties in with what Gab was saying i didn't like the fact that the the '96 kit had no red so i was glad that england had a kit that had red back in it i also liked the fact that the normal goalkeeper kit complemented the the strip with you know the same colors but just reversed but then that goalkeeper kit also had navy red and white shorts but it had the lozenges or the flashes at the the top rather than the bottom so i just like that part And I also dislike the fact that England at that stage would play in a major tournament with a kit that they'd been wearing for a year and a half beforehand. It just seemed very illogical to me because it was going the way of premiering a new kit at a major tournament. So I was probably a bit sick of it by 98, but it definitely then did acquire iconic status because of probably that one goal or the two goals he got as much as anything else. But... I think yeah like let's like you say I, i'd like it more if it was on a better fitting style better foreign to it but l- looking back at it it's fairly uninspired and like you say the the silly things at the end of the, the sleeve would be better off matching the the ones at the side of the trunk or it's not been there at all rather than just being these blobs of navy trimmed in red so it had the potential to be good, but yeah, it fell short, I think.
0: Another annoyance was that Umbra tendency of the time crest larger than the detail within it, so it had a needless white border around the three lines. And yeah. And also there was no need for the fact that the, the word that you know, the Umbra logo type was, was about three times the size of the word England. I mean, I'm I'm not convinced you need to put the word England on England shirts anyway. No. If you do it, don't then have the name Absolutely dwarfed by the by the size of the Umbro logo type. So yeah, if you if you're making some points in defence, I'm I'm throwing some more evidence against it.
2: Well, uh, and to to add to uh, to your bonfire, I didn't like the Umbro word mark on its own. Mm. I think you know the double diamond is a great design. So you know, make use of it. I think th- there was just a trend for that in the mid nineties. Reebok did it. Adidas did it. Nike never did it, and Nike went the other way, and it looked far better, I think.
0: Mm. Now, the red England away kit at France 98 isn't just a little bit slimmer fitting. And what was really noticeable, when England mashed up the home yeah. shirt with the away shorts against Argentina, the shorts looked a little bit more form-fitting Yeah. next to a massively billowing parachute um, <laughs> shirt, because there was evidently a lot less material on the away shorts than there was on the...
2: My yeah, home. the 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 home was ninety six, ninety seven vintage and the away was ninety seven, ninety eight. So yeah, I hadn't properly noticed that, but that's a good a good point made, yeah. And funnily enough, we're so used to seeing England in all white the last few years. That was the first time in seven years England had worn all white since the Australasia tour of ninety
0: one. Top knowledge. this is the second time i've had to reclaim my property from you It belongs in a
1: museum
0: so that's it for episode seven of the football kit podcast do share with us your nominations for templates of worship and templates of doom we are at football kit pod on twitter until next time from gav dennis and myself thanks for joining us